My name is Steve Tamayo. You're listening to Ministry During the Disruption. And right now, I think we all are suffering from some whiplash. Is that right, Kyle? I'd say so. So give the people listening a sense of why you and I are feeling some whiplash. Well, so we have the uh, the, the conviction um, and verdict from the Derek Chauvin trial this week. Um, we're recording again, yeah, on Wednesday, the 21st. Um, and we he's, he was found guilty of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Um, and he's going to be put, he's going to be sentenced uh, at some point later, I believe is the, is the, is the understanding, though he's, the recommended guidelines for the state is around 12 and a half years in prison. But mo- he might end up being maximum 40 years, so we're not totally sure. I just saw some updates that he's going to be held in solitary confinement for his own safety. Um, things like that. But, I mean, that already is just a big moment in the history of our country. I, I mean, I guess we also, we, we also saw news as we saw the news of his uh, trial's verdict. We also saw some pretty disturbing and confusing, uh, another shooting on, uh, that was in Chicago, I believe, as well. In uh, Columbus. Ohio. Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. In Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. I, I mean, this is just a day later. So details about it are still coming out. Um, but a young woman, um, Micaiah Bryant, um, reached out to the police, uh, was having an issue, uh, in, she's, she was in a foster home and maybe was experiencing some violence or some threatening behavior toward her. The police arrive on the scene and the body cam footage appears to show, um, a, a young woman with a knife, uh, attempting to stab another young woman and the police officer, uh, shoots her in the back. And it's a really disturbing uh, image. It happens so fast, you know, under a minute from the time the police officer gets out of the car to the time the shot is fired. It raises really complex issues of the role of police violence the role of police violence while protecting children, because the, you know this was uh, potentially a young person who was about to be stabbed, and uh, bigger questions about the foster care system, the nature of poverty and violence, mental illness in the United States, all these huge issues, and at the same time, there's a family whose teenage daughter is dead and it's just heartbreaking and um i feel like i'm wrestling with this whiplash of the small scale guilty 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 verdict a family that lost their daughter with these big scale issues around the nature of policing the nature of race in america the nature of poverty in america and and what does Jesus and the gospel have to say to all of this? And uh, and it is overwhelming and exhausting. We talked last week about leading and lamenting at the same time. And uh, I'm feeling that this week. It doesn't go away. Yeah, that's for sure. It definitely doesn't go away. And, you know, whether or not... <laughs> Whether or not there's something on the news that we can see, there's always, I think it's always as challenging us as, as leaders, people who want to 
um, disciple others, um, that there's, it's just tough out there and that there's always times for leading and lament. Um, and yes, I totally agree. This is, there's just so many factors here, um, that make these things tragic. Um, but I do think the thing that I would love to emphasize the most, yeah, is that there's all these other things out there and there was lots of things that are on the different sides of political spectrum, different opinions, but ultimately people are losing their lives and people are killing one another. And that is just so far outside of God's design. Um, and I know one of the things that God is doing is just grieving over what's going on. And, and I think there is something about, you see this in the Genesis narrative where God looks out over the world and sees the violence that is filling it and he grieves. And having a God who grieves, a God who laments, is so incredibly important. I think in the midst of the uh, Derek Chauvin trial, in in the midst of George Floyd's murder, there is so much uh, joy, uh, relief over the guilty, guilty, guilty verdict. And I understand it, and I feel it. And at the same time, there's a man who's dead. And Derek Chauvin could spend 40 years in prison, and it's not going to bring George Floyd back. He's, he's not a sacrificial victim on the altar of social justice. He's not a savior figure. He's a man who was murdered. And I also... You know, when I look at Derek Chauvin, I, I don't know him, don't know hardly anything about him other than what I've seen in the trial. This is a man whose future is now to live in a cage, maybe to die in a cage. And I lament that too. Not, not that I think that he should be allowed to walk free, but I lament the sort of situation that has put us into where a man who is loved by God and created by God, who is valued by Jesus, where, where that man has his future constrained. Now, he still gets to live in that cage, but his future is constrained, is restricted, and that's not the kind of life that God wants. Like, like even when we get the consequences of our sin— and, and are put into a place where we're not living the kind of life that God wants for us, it's something that we can still grieve. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that's really important here is no matter where you fall, right, that one of the toughest challenges in these moments is that Christ challenges us and, and asks us to love our enemies. So whether you feel that um, whoever you deem your enemy in this situation um for for your challenge for you and for uh, for me and you and I, Steve, and for all our listeners, is to love those people and to see the utter tragedy of people in the kingdom of God. No one's in jail. In the kingdom of God, no one is dying. In the kingdom of God, no one is fighting, and no and there's no need for knives or guns. There's no need for trials, right? There's no need for verdicts. The verdict is already there. God is 
God is the ultimate judge, jury, executioner, and verdict, but he doesn't need to do any of those things because it's it's like everything's perfect. You know, everything's spotless. Well, and you know, if you look through this through the lens of Christ, he is the one who brings freedom to the captives. Mm-hmm. So one day, Derek Chauvin will be set free. He's the one who brings life to the dead. One day, George Floyd will be resurrected to new life. And if both of those men are woven together with Christ, are united to Christ, are adopted into his family, then they're going to live as reconciled brothers on the other side of this terrible, terrible experience they had together. Yeah, if they if they both have decided to follow Jesus with their lives, yeah. And this is one of the hard things for us in our proclamation of the gospel, is that we believe that these two men who who have never been in right relationship with each other will be united in Christ at some point. And, and then it's the hope of the gospel is that enemies can become siblings and that siblings can become beloved siblings. And even if there wasn't ever that point of union in this life, that there is reconciliation possible almost inevitable in our future. And I know there's a lot of pushback in the theological world over using the term reconciliation for situations where there has not been a previous history of, I don't know what it would be, conciliation, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's no re there. Uh, but I, but I do believe that this is possible. And, and this is an abstract theological language, right? I get on social media and I see some of these things people are posting and they infuriate me and they confuse me and they make me want to distance myself from my brothers and sisters in Christ, from my neighbors. And it is a point of discipleship for me to respond in my heart with love. Yeah. A too large portion of my heart that I would love to admit that's way too big wants to see people and my enemies. And in this case, for me, like someone like Derek Chauvin rot in that prison cell and die alone because I'm upset at him, right? For like watching that video of George Floyd was was horrible. I, I, and I had, I had all the desires in the world to see someone like that punished. Um, but one, it is not my role to punish. But also, yes, he's made in the image of God. And if we look at how Jesus views sin and how God views sin, um, are the only reason that, you know, I'm not going to rot in a prison cell for, for 40 years, but forever, basically, is because of Christ. Um, and knowing that, that both, that we are not better than the other is really difficult. But also, like, it's challenging to see, to think that both those people could, in theory, you know, if they were, if they really did follow Jesus, be in heaven with, together. All three of us, all four of us, right? And, you know, like, all of us could be together and we would be right and reconciled. It doesn't seem, it almost doesn't seem fair, you know? It's not fair. It's not fair. I heard one pastors say that fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Like in the Garden of Eden, God decided not to give us what we deserved. And 
instead to give us what he has always wanted to give us, his love, his affection, his acceptance, his forgiveness, his his grace, his charity. And I, I think these are hard conversations to have because I'm full of emotions and I'm not a feeler. So when I'm full of emotions, it's hard for me to talk about stuff. Often I'll go just straight to anger. Uh, it's like... It's like when I'm feeling strong emotions, I reach for the one I'm most familiar with. So I go to anger. So these are hard conversations to have and they're risky conversations to have because I might say the wrong thing. I might have a difference of opinion with someone with whom I'm usually allied. I mean, I, I know, you know, in our pre-call, Kyle, you and I were talking a little bit about the uh, Micaiah Bryant case and like we might see some things differently there and uh, it is a strain to talk about that because I value our relationship so much and at the same time as ministers during this disruption we can't absent ourselves from these conversations Students and faculty are talking about this. They're listening to this. They're asking questions about this. If you're a college student, your peers are wrestling with this stuff. And if those of us in ministry who are leading in ministry, if we're not willing to speak into these situations, to ask questions, to point to Jesus, then we are inadvertently communicating that the gospel has no power in this space, that Jesus has no hope for us in these issues, and that we as people of faith need to put our faith on the shelf when we engage these conversations, this kind of stripped-down secularism. And I think when we do that, we, we miss an opportunity that Jesus has for us. He, he didn't comment on every political issue in his day, but he, but he did speak up about some political issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jesus was very politically controversial in his time. Um, he was, he didn't, he didn't comment on everything, but definitely very controversial. Um, yeah. I think like in light of everything going on, I don't think it's on us to have the right things to say all the time or to have all the right answers. Um, we might not have had all the right things to say on this podcast. We definitely certainly don't have all the answers. But I do, other than, you know, hashtag youth pastor says that the answer is Christ. And the reliance on him is the only thing we can truly rely on. Um, and in these times, that can, I mean, I, I gotta be honest, sometimes that feels hollow. That feels like, oh man, Jesus, like, why didn't, why didn't you stop X? Why is evil allowed in the world? When are you coming back? Um, and I think, one of the greatest things we can do is not just to put that in our own internal and in ultimately kind of write God off, but to actually ask him those things. Um, I think we see strong examples of that, especially in, in the Psalms. And I have great confidence that if you ask, you'll receive. Mm -hmm. And if you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, Kyle, what happens if you knock? Uh, God generally answers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
And uh, this is good news to us um, as we long for the kingdom of God. Um, Friends, I want to encourage you, lament what you need to lament. Breathe a deep sigh of relief if that's how you're feeling. And be gentle with yourself and with others. Gentleness is this uh, unsung fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I'm not just encouraging you to be gentle with others. Be gentle with yourself. And uh, with that, uh, Kyle, I wonder if you would um, guide us in a prayer exercise as we close out our time. Yeah, let's pray, and I'll guide us through a little bit. Lord Jesus, would you bring to mind right now the questions we have, the concerns we have, the things we're confused about, the emotions we feel, all the stuff that's swirling around in our hearts and our minds and our souls. But would you bring those to the surface? And as we hold out our hands, would you place it in our hands? And Lord, as we place it, would we lift our hands to you? We give you these things. Lord, and there's things that we want to hold on to. Things that are too much for us to bear. Lord, would you take them? And would you remind us of your death on the cross where you died for all of the things that that we can't solve, for all the things that are going wrong in the world? And Lord, would you give us what you have for us? Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, your great and powerful and eternal love. Would you feel alongside us? Would you make your voice apparent? And would you give us back what what we can hold? As things come to mind and, uh, and questions come, I would encourage you right now to pray as we pray, to ask God those questions, to talk to him. And for me, one of those predominant questions is, Jesus, when are you coming back? And how long do we have to wait? And then I would encourage you and I would bless you with the ability to hear through through the Holy Spirit, his voice, and to hear what he says. And uh, again, I would encourage you in our time of prayer to give God thanks for the things that you can, the things that you can Confess what you can confess. And again, ask God for his kingdom to come to earth because that is what we long for. And as we see all this destruction around us, it is the only thing that will put an end to all that. And if, if this little prayer exercise is helpful, I would encourage you to, you know, just listen to this, maybe this section again and go through it again, perhaps not even now, but maybe at a later time. But offer that, do that simple exercise of offering what you have and seeing what God gives you back and asking him questions and listening for his voice. With all that being said, I bless everyone who's listening to our podcast and us as we right now with the ability to, um, and the, the, the capacity to control what we can, give everything else up to Christ and to be an ambassador of Christ in our daily walk. Jesus name, amen. Thanks, Steve. Amen. Amen. Thanks for this, Kyle.